This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Spooko. Episode 41. A lot has happened in this very organic podcast, which has always stayed true to its mission, which mm-hmm. is to help you overcome your fear of scary films. And my lack but, of recious sponsorship. Yep. And your lack of, I mean, that again, that's one of the things that's grown out of it. Mm-hmm. Quite a few other things have grown out of it. And one of the things that I'm enjoying at the moment is developing your original horror script called Eyes Up. Featuring a cameo by Ludacris, which we have in the film, so he would record a theme song for the film. We've also given him 10% of the box office. That feels really high. Look, it is proportionate to the star power that uh, Ludacris has and would bring to the project. But can I, can I say, look, if Ludacris only has a supporting role in this, I don't want him to be the main name on the poster. Do you want your name to be the main name? Like, like, <laughs> like, like who are we? Who else do we have? I just, I just, you know, like, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, look, eyes up. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but it is already one of the greatest horror films ever because it builds on so many greats. So we are set in 2031. We know this, you know, last yep. time we checked, our hero, who's called the Blind Man, has escaped wearing skin from the blind sanitarium in this world where no one can look at each other lest they potentially catch the space demon virus. Now, as yes. 20 minutes in, he's escaped the blind asylum wearing skin. He's let the skin off. The skin bot is like, wait a minute. That is not your skin, but he's already out of there. It's fine. He's gone. He then has a flashback and the reason why he's escaped and the reason why he was in there is because his sister was the original astronaut that went to space and he knows that she was the first to die from the crazy space demon, I now see the wonders and the horrors of the universe uh, event horizon sort of virus that you contract through your eyes, right? Now, here's what I'm thinking, Peach, because every time we're not recording... All I'm thinking about is where Eyes Up can go next. I'm, I'm very excited. And I would like an executive producer credit on this when um, it does look, go. Look, we can do, like, let's, let's, you know, like, I'm not saying no now. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> we can talk about it. So, Peach, here's what I'm thinking. They've left the asylum. Well, he's left the asylum. Mm. I think he needs to gather some, like, he needs to potentially have some companions along the way. So there's, there's a humanish story to it. But what, what I think spurs him on and what his quest is, what the journey is for this character, so he's not just aimlessly leaving this and wandering into the world, is, as we mentioned last week, because it's a comment as well on the fact that nobody looks up anymore and everyone's always looking at their phone, and in this world, mm. they have to because they can't look up, 
he gets a message from his sister being like, come find me at yes, from Johnny's Hollow. Well, but yeah, exactly. And, and like Johnny's Hollow is some place they used to play when they were kids. It's a long way away. Nobody can drive cars at the moment because you can't look up. So it's a long journey. And yes, she died. Her eyes have already exploded. So how the yes. fuck did she send this message? But she sent it anyway. So what's going on? And he's like, he knows he probably shouldn't go. And we know that the ending's going to be horrific and scary and hereditary-esque. But he makes this journey. How are you feeling about this so far? This is a great twist. I know nothing about narrative or creativity of any kind. So I've been just panicking the whole time. You know, you know when you're in a room and you're just desperately hoping no one throws to you just at any stage? That's sort of how I feel on this podcast when you go through eyes up. I'm like, mm-hmm, sounds good. Sounds great. Oh, I think every white man has a moment in their life where they're like, maybe I should be a stand-up comedian. Every- <laughs> <laughs> I've had that moment. Yeah. That moment. So the, the moment I realised, wow, I'm really not, was when I was invited on like a live recording of a podcast featuring two comedians and uh, like a very experienced host. And I, I, I heard this, did I not? We don't have to... We don't, we don't need to go to it. But every time, like, I started it being like, fuck, I'm going to smash this. Like, I was basically like, I'm going to get discovered on this live <laughs> podcast. Someone's going to be in the audience and being like, that's a fresh sound we've never heard. <laughs> the first time they threw to me, I bombed. I didn't really know what I was saying. I couldn't really form a good thing. I think they asked me a question and I just answered the question <laughs> realizing I was just like, yeah, there's the answer to that question. And then they threw to me again and it didn't work. And then they asked me to do a thing and it wasn't very funny. And it got to, like maybe halfway through, I was petrified that they would throw back to me. And luckily they didn't. Luckily they, <laughs> it, again, like I speak about things being organically creative and they very organically realised that maybe I wasn't an essential part of that live podcast. So, Peach, I, I absolutely feel your pain. Yeah, because no, it's like, what do you think of this plot point? And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, I, am, I like the way this is coming together. <laughs> you know, it sounds, sounds good. Like, mm. for me, I'm really in the gutter of the details. How are we bumping into someone? How are we killing someone or making friends with someone? And why are we doing that? Well, Pete, yeah. See, here's the thing. It's still a world that exists. There's this society out there where people are always looking down at their phones. Where is the, like, to build trust with someone, we look at them. What is that? Like, where does that happen next? So society's broken down, right? So, yeah. so Amazon Prime, no, it's not, it's not happening at the moment. Drone, mm-hmm. drone, drone deliveries, it's not happening. And as I'm sure we've established, 98% of the population died. So it's just the remaining 2%. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned that before. <laughs> um, and so vast areas of the urban landscape have now opened up for farming. And so... Oh, um, I love this already. And we, like, but, but then you have shots of like farm, like there's a farm in Times Square yep. and there's a farm in Martin Place because we want to be like, hey, Sydney exists sort of thing. Um, and there's a farm in like, I don't know, Tiananmen Square. And so different sort of farming guilds come together and go, don't you fucking touch my corn. You're in 
the peach crew farming territory now. This is where we farm, you fucking idiot. Blah, get out of here. And so, so people started like farm gangs. Yeah. And so blind man does not want to go into the wrong fucking farm zone because that could be the last farm zone he ever goes into. And so um, the difficulty he's got is how does he go and find the source of his sister's message and eat, frankly, um, while avoiding the ire of these, not quite Mad Max style, but, you know, of these sort of post-apocalyptic farm gangs. And to make sure it's horror, I think they need, there, there needs to be a lot of cannibalism. Yes, great idea, great thinking. Yeah, so, so I think most of the farm gangs, yeah, they farm, but they farm people as well as crops and animals. Gosh, 2031 is such a darker year than 2030. You know, that's a proper... <laughs> oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I just realised, I just realised, and purely because my dog has just walked up. Hi, Poppet. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Poppet. Hello, Poppy. Can animals catch the space demon disease? Oh, look, we're getting so I am legend on this, which I think you and I have seen, and I'm not sure counts as a horror film. It, I don't think it really does. I mean, uh, it's, it's borderline. Yeah. There's monsters in it and there's scary moments. Yeah, but it ends deliberately on an optimistic line of like, hey, by the way, don't worry, it'll be fine. It's like, you know, that wasn't the original ending. The original ending was super depressing. But then test audiences were massive babies and they're like, boo-hoo, I don't like this sad ending. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> like, I'm still bummed out about the omen, like 20 years on. Like, kill that fucking child. Kill it. I know, it shouldn't be that hard to kill a kid. Sorry, give me one second. And it is with each of these farm gangs that blind man needs to be challenged to have his eyes up or not. It's like, you fucking blind man. Are you going to put your eyes up? Do you want corn from the Crip gang? And, and sorry to interrupt, but I think you might be able to hear my dog drinking water in the background. I just want to talk about something that I think is extremely funny and why I spoke about whether animals can catch this demon space space demon virus because i'm always confronted by how much smarter they are than we think they are based on this this one thing that our dog popper does where she relies on on us for not many things for shelter but even then she probably doesn't need the shelter uh for food and water but then she could probably find stuff if she didn't need to and walks right so so there's there's a finite amount of things she needs from us she doesn't have to ask us for shelter or bed because her beds are there. She knows where they are. We don't move them. The walks are at certain times of the day. So again, like if she wants a walk, we know because it's around the time when she's used to and she's used to routine. So generally, if she's asking us for something, it's pretty much just food or water. And again, once the food's out there, so it's usually, there's, there's one thing basically if she's asking us for something that we know she wants. So she will, she, will come up to, she will come up to me. She will come up to us, lick our hands and be like, and we'll be like, Papa, what the fuck do you want? What are you doing? <laughs> and then she'll go over to the door and like tap on the door and be like, oh my God, you want to go out? And we'll open the door. She won't go out. And we'll be like, oh, Jesus, Papa, I can't read you. You're a Rubik's, you're a, you're a lament configuration. How am I going to solve this? And so she has got to the point now 
she has had to develop her intelligence to the point where she literally taps on her water bowl with her front paw to be like, please fill this fucking (laughs) every fucking time. It's like, what else would I want? And literally every single time it's like, Oh, you want water. And that's what happened just there. And yeah, so that, so anyway, so as soon as I saw that, it made me think about the fact that maybe animals could get it. And in fact, in this world, maybe a separate part to this, and we'll get there in a second, is because, you know, there's this theory when the apocalypse comes, dogs will be fine, they'll eat our corpses, and then they'll create gangs and they'll roam the world and become like re-feral themselves. So I think there's going to be gangs of killer dogs roaming the world as well. But anyway, sorry, back to the evil cannibalistic farm gangs. Well, I think they will, that the, the, the interactions with the cannibalistic farmers will be the new eyes up. We'll be like, you're not scared to put your eyes up there, are you, blind man? <laughs> you, like, you know, it's like, yeah, well, fuck, I'll put my eyes up if you put your eyes up. You, you know, and, and, and there'll be various tents. Isn't there a rule of threes, Shag? There'll be one very early eyes up moment where this goes extremely badly one second eyes up moment, which sort of goes okay, having been very tense. And then a third and final decisive eyes up moment, mm. which appears to have mm. gone extremely well. But at the end, there's a betrayal or we've been gaslit. And it turned out that it went very, very badly. Yeah, that's super sick. I love that. Um, so just fill in the blanks from there and just let me know when it's, uh, when it's done. And of course, eyes up will continue, but... We now get to the main course uh, or the entree, as Americans say. Did you know oh. that? On- Does that ever confuse you that entree is main course? It, because I'm prepping for, spoiler alert, our Kitchen Nightmares podcast that may never exist. Oh, Peter, I've got, no, no, it will because I've got the best name for it and I just searched it oh, and it doesn't exist. Sick, and the name will uh, dictate what actually happens in the podcast. I, like, I'm excited for it. Okay. And there's... And there's not a lot of good Gordon Ramsay content there. So that is coming next, Peach. I will chat to you after because obviously, like, I want there to be some surprises in in the world. Well, because I'm doing rigorous research for that, never. Because if there's an American accent, I know what an entree is. But I completely (laughs) get it. So America, if it's an American film, Shag, let's get to the entree. If it's an Australian (laughs) film, let's get to the main course. Let's do it. All right. So I went to... Uh, an article that we were both looking at about Jordan Peele in his preparation for Us, a film that we've already talked about on this podcast, with uh, the actress uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who played the main role, or in fact played the two main roles in the film. And he, he basically assigned a curriculum of horror films to watch. And I was looking through them and I was like, yeah, there's some classics in here. There's ones we've done before, like It Follows. Oh, and Martyrs was on there, wasn't it? Yeah, Martyrs was on there. The Babadook was on there. I felt good. I felt like, Peach, I've given you like a really good horror curriculum. There was also a bunch we haven't done. Now, one of them was Funny Games, which we're not going to do today because it's one of those art horror films. Have we done Funny Games? No, we haven't. And the, the Wikipedia doesn't do any justice it's like super disturbing because the whole point is that it just it's supposed to put up a mirror it's 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 eli roth like it's supposed (laughs) to put up a mirror 
to our consumption of violence and to be like, so you like that, do you? You like this violence? And, but it is just horrible and bleak and awful. And which, which also led me down the path. I was also going to do this film today called The House That Jack Built, which was a Lars von Trier film from a couple of years ago, which caused like heaps of walkouts at Khan, caused a lot of people to call him a genius. And it was on one of the streaming services. So I sort of skimmed through it. Sometimes with horror films, I'm like, you know what? I like, like I don't have time to like, it's like two and a half hours long. I don't have time to dedicate to it. Two and a half I'll, hours. I know. I'll like, I'll watch a bit of the intro. Then I'll skip to the climax when everything ramps up. And it, it's a film I'll save you and pretty much anyone listening to this from like, like don't watch it for the fact that I think some films actually shouldn't be made. And it, <laughs> And, and like, I don't even mean this like as as like a lol thing. Like, it 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 has some genuinely upsetting scenes, which I wish I hadn't seen, but I have seen, and so so you don't have to. But it has this really cool bit at the end where they go to like hell. Like, the, it's it's just about oh. a serial killer and the house that Jack built. And I'll reveal the twist to you because it's so fucking dumb. Jack is this serial killer, and he keeps all these dead bodies in a freezer. And at the end, he turns all the dead bodies into like a house. So all their bodies are like nailed together and it's a house he can like walk into. And then he walks down, a st- down the stairs in this house made of human bodies and he's in like the ninth circle of hell. And then he falls into the fire in hell. It's like the weirdest ending. And it's, I wanted to talk about it for that reason, but then I was looking through everything else that happened in and I was like, you know what, I'm going to save it. <laughs> so not, sorry, sorry. So that's not the film we're doing. So today right. we're going to do another film from that list, which I think is an important one for everybody's horror curriculum if they want to get over their fear and start enjoying them. Today is a horror romance from Sweden called Let the Right One In. Are you a vampire? Did you think you That looks super scary. I'm about that, Shag. Peach, have you never heard of Let the Right One In? You must have heard of it. No, no. No, I've not. (laughs) No, I don't don't mean that as an attack. I don't mean that as an attack. It was just, it was a very popular film in the year 2008. Around the same time, (laughs) around the same time we were all discovering like the band Phoenix. And I don't know what else was happening in 2008. Fuck. Was that pre the college dropout? So oh, college fuck. dropout was 03, late registration was 05, graduation was 07, 808's heartbreak was 08. So that's 808's that's, heartbreak. That can't be true, can it really? Yeah. Fucking hell. Then Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is 2010. Like he went to co- from college dropout to Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy seven years. But like that's like a Beatles level run, right? Like Surely that's- it is. It's like, sure. Like, like what else is there? Like, Radiohead, like I'm like you're like you to the Beatles is me to Radiohead. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Are there <laughs> any know? Radiohead songs you like? Are you like that was a good one? 
ah, look, everyone I hear, I'm like, yes, this is pretty, like, you know, yeah, uh, like, that's fine. You know? Like, what do you want from me? And I'm like, you're allowed to like it. Yes, you have my permission. Do you ever, do you ever put a novice's ears on to listen or see something and imagine listening to it the first time and be like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, I can see why people wouldn't, like, I sometimes do that with Radiohead where it's like, I, like, I, and one of the people that think they're geniuses and had an amazing, like a Kanye level run. But at the same time, if you put your, I don't like Radiohead or I don't get the big deal ears on and listen to them, I totally get it. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just without context of being like, are they the greatest? You're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. So Let the Right One In, 2008 Swedish film. So it starts with Oscar, a meek 12-year-old boy who resides with his mother, Yvonne, in the western Stockholm suburb of Blackburg in 1981. Sick set, like sick setting. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Love it, love it. I've never, have you, I've never been to Sweden. Have you, you, have you been there's a point in your life where you get to a certain age where it's like, oh, I'm probably not going to see everything in the world. And as much as I love the idea of Sweden, like I've just got a feeling that I'm never quite going to get there until obviously my body just becomes matter and energy and absorbed into the universe. And that's that's like, I was going to correct you on that. And yeah, I'm pleased <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm pleased you that. So my... A lot of my ideas of Sweden come from Robin video clips. And she has a video, she has a video clip for a song, Be Mine, which is like a classic Robin song. I still say it's a bit, like I still say it's a best song. Like it, like it is my favorite. I think, I think Robin's run starts with Be Mine and ends with Ever Again. And for me, Ever Again is her best song ever, but I, I'm, I'm happy to be shut down by many people. But anyway, so I would like to say that if you want a frame of reference for what this film looks like, it's the original Be Mine clip, which is set in the snow in Sweden at night. And I think she's from Stockholm as well. So anyway, so Oscar's classmates regularly bully him and he spends his evenings imagining revenge, collecting clippings from newspapers and magazines about grisly murders. Now, one night, he meets Ellie, who appears to be a pale girl of his age. Ellie has recently moved into the next door apartment with an older man, Hakan. Ellie initially informs Oscar that they cannot be friends. Over time, however, they begin to form a close relationship with Oscar lending his Rubik's Cube to Ellie. I love that it's like, hey, by the way, it's 1981 because the hottest toy is a Rubik's Cube. A Rubik's Cube. And the two exchange Morse code messages through their adjoining wall. Now that's the sort of cute that like, and, and just to go back to eyes up, I feel like that's the sort of cute detail we need in a flashback between the blind man and his sister, the astronaut who was yes. the first, who was patient zero for the alien demon virus. And he was like, don't like worry, that. I will pretend to be blind if you ever die from it. <laughs> <laughs> <I've got laughs> They're like playing as kids. <laughs> what will you do when I die? <laughs> Are they twins? They're twins. 
Oh fuck, they're twins. Mm-hmm. And that's why the connection's so strong. And that's why it's like, he knows she's dead. He saw her die. But, and she also said in a flashback, if I ever text you and say, come meet me at like, you know, Dawson's point or whatever it is, like you've you got to cut, even if I've died, even if my eyes have exploded and I'm dead and you're pretending to be blind, you got to come, you got to drop everything and come meet me. And we know oh, that. Yeah, like, is there some massive, like, is there some, it's all a dream level or maybe just a step back level twist of like, by the way, we're pulling the rug out from under you. Level twist in Eyes Up. Peach, are you asking for Eyes Up to have a Fight Club ending? Uh, like, I'm almost suggesting that there should be something happening at just the very top of the screen from time to time in the movie that suggests what the actual position is. And it's like, well, you would have known that, audience, if you'd have <laughs> get, like, the clue... <laughs> you guys. I love the disdain you have for the audience. Eyes <laughs> up. I think I think the best filmmaking comes from a position of antagonism towards arrogance. The and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> arrogance. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. So, Oscar and Ellie live next door to each other. Oscar with a single mom, Ellie with an older man. They pass Morse code messages between the walls. Now, Hakam, the older man, requests that Ellie stop seeing Oscar. After questioning Oscar about a cut on his cheek, Ellie learns that the boy is being bullied by schoolmates and encourages him to stand up for himself. This inspires Oscar to enroll for weight training classes after school. I remember my mom wouldn't let me do any sort of like exercise or like like weight lifting or anything in high school because it would stunt my growth. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that was a thing parents just tell people, but I wasn't allowed to. And it, it just led to moments. Like I remember being in year 10 and wearing the school sanctioned swimmers at the pool and the future school captain coming up to me and going, fuck your skinny McMullen. And I just remember being like, and I remember like all the other boys had like pecs and six packs. And I was like, I just thought people just naturally had them. And I just remember being like, why am I just like a flat board? Like what's, what's going on there? Anyway, so I can, I can empathize with Oscar right now. I can, I can empathize with Oscar right now. Fuck your skinny Oscar. But it's in Swedish. (laughs) So little flashback. Hakan stops and kills a passerby on a busy footpath near a main road to harvest fresh blood for Eli. Mm. But not in a Hellraiser skin harvesting way. (laughs) You'll see it's, it's, this is a lot more classical horror. Sick. But anyway, he fails to return with any when he's interrupted by an approaching dog walker. Ellie is prompted to waylay and kill a local man, Jock, making his way home from a bar. Now, remember, Eli's like, Ellie slash Eli. I'm going to switch between the two. I'm sorry. That's fine. Remember that Ellie is like a 12-year-old girl. So she kills Jock, making his way home from a bar after having said goodnight to his best friend, Lack. A local cat-loving recluse, Gosta, witnesses the attack from his flat. He does not believe what he has seen and decides not to report the incident. Hakan hides Jock's body in an ice hole in the local lake. 
Hakan later makes another well-prepared but incompetently executed effort to obtain blood for Eli. Ellie, God. Is Hakan a obtain- fucking idiot? Like, what, like what's Hakan out there doing? Yeah, he's not doing well. He's, he tries Ellie's to get more fine. blood. She's out there killing people. So he, he, he trapped by trapping a teenage boy in a changing room after school. The boy's friends are waiting for him to emerge and go to see what is holding him up. Before he's discovered, Hakan pours concentrated hydrochloric acid onto his own face, disfiguring it to prevent the authorities from identifying him. Hakan's a fucking goof. What's going on? This is bizarre. I feel like it kind of sucks because... He probably had some solid wins in the past, and we just—we're <laughs> just seeing his bad bit. Yeah, we like we're in his later years. Like he had—he's killed and like harvested lots of good blood and body for Ellie in the past, and we were only there for the bad ones. It sucks, but anyway. So Ellie learns that Hakan has been taken to the hospital and scales the building to access his restricted room. Hakan opens the window for Ellie and offers his neck for feeding. Drained of blood, Hakan falls out of the window onto the snow and dies. I think by now you can tell Ellie's a vampire, right? Yep, I'm with you. Now alone, Ellie goes to Oscar's apartment and spends the night with him. And like in a totally innocent, like, like adorable, childish way. During which time they agree to go steady. While Ellie states, I'm not a girl, Oscar ambiguously either ignores this or accepts the unclear nature of the relationship. When she says, I'm not a girl, fucking hell. Like that's, yeah, this is good horror. During an ice skating trip, so we're later on, during an ice skating field trip at the lake, some of Oscar's fellow students discover Jock's body. At the same time, Oscar finally stands up to his tormentors and strikes the leader of the bullies, Connie, on the side of the head with a pole, splitting his ear. Sometime later, Oscar shows Ellie a private place he knows. Unaware that Ellie is a vampire, Oscar suggests that they form a blood bond and cuts his hand, asking Ellie to do the same. Ellie, thirsting for blood but not wanting to harm Oscar, laps up his spilled blood before running away. Lack's girlfriend, so Lack, meanwhile, the friend of Locke who was killed, Mm. Lack's girlfriend, Virginia, is subsequently attacked by Ellie. Lack turns up in time to interrupt the attack. Virginia survives, but soon discovers that she has become painfully sensitive to sunlight. Seeking Lack, Virginia visits Gosta, only to be fiercely attacked by Gosta's cats. In the hospital, Virginia, who has realised what she has become, asks an orderly to open the blinds in the room, when the sunlight streams in, she bursts into flames, which is like Ugh. the coolest thing. Sick. She's like, I will not be a vampire in the world. Like, I'm yeah. I also love how quickly you would just accept. You'd be like, all right, well, I'm a vampire now. And I, I've really been loving recently. I've always loved it, but like recently I've been getting back into the Blue Oyster Cult song, Don't Fear the Reaper, because of one of those viral challenges where, you know, there's 30 songs a day and somebody was like, name a song from the 70s you love. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that song. And I love that song because it's one of the few songs I know that's about embracing death, being like, no, death comes for everyone. Don't be scared of it. It's good. Let's, let's, let's die. Let's do it. We'll die together. We'll be, and like, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying we have to do that in life anyway. And there's something nice about that. And I like the idea that if 
you became a vampire or if you knew that what you'd become was wrong and you wanted to stop it, that you could just go, cool, I'm just, just open the blinds, kill me. Fucking hell. Many men, the 50 Cent song is big on that as well. <laughs> Isn't it about the fact that he's killed many men? No, or no, no, no. Take on many it's, men? it's that many men wish death upon him. Many men, many, 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 many men <laughs> wish death upon me. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, cool. Right. So like, whatever, we'll see. So realizing the situation, Oscar confronts Ellie, who admits to being a vampire. Oscar is initially upset by Ellie's need to kill people for survival. However, if you remember before, like Oscar wanted to kill Yeah, the grizzly murders. And when he attacked the bullies, he attacks them pretty viciously in not just a I'm standing up for myself, but in a like, I am going to destroy you sort of way so however ellie insists that their bloodthirsty natures are alike in that oscar wants to kill and ellie needs to kill and encourages oscar to be me for a little while so lack who has lost both his best friend and girlfriend to the attacks tracks ellie down to the closed off apartment breaking in he discovers ellie asleep in the bathtub he prepares to kill ellie but oscar who is hiding inside the apartment interferes Ellie immediately wakes up, jumps on Lack and kills him, feeding on his blood. Ellie thanks Oscar and kisses him in gratitude. However, an upstairs neighbor is angrily knocking on the ceiling due to the disturbance the fight has caused. Ellie realizes that it is no longer safe to stay and leaves the same night. The next morning, Oscar receives a phone call from Connie's friend, Martin, who lures Oscar out to resume the after-school fitness program at the local swimming pool. The bullies led by Connie and his sadistic older brother, Jimmy, start a fire to draw Mr. Avila, the teacher in charge, outside and into the pool area, ordering the other children to clear out. This leaves Oscar trapped alone in the pool. Jimmy forces Oscar under the water, threatening to stab his eye out if he does not hold his breath for three minutes. This is where this movie gets into like hyperspace levels of coolness. While Oscar is being held underwater, Ellie arrives and rescues him by killing and dismembering the bullies, except for the most reluctant of their number, Andreas, who is left sobbing on a bench. But here's the thing. You don't see any of this. You are underwater with Oscar while this happens and you see like flashes of movement and then like splashes of blood. And then when he comes up, they're all dead except the one left sobbing on the bench. Meanwhile, later... Oscar is traveling on a train with Ellie in a box beside him, safe from sunlight. From inside, Ellie taps the word kiss to Oscar in Morse code, to which he taps back puss, which means small kiss in Swedish. And that's the end. There are so many good, good horror films. That was great. It's so good. And the thing that isn't mentioned in there that is worth drawing attention to Mm. is Hakan is basically like a pedo and the way she has power over these older men is she finds like pedos who are willing to like stay with this because she's not she's been this young girl since she became a vampire but she's actually like hundreds of years old right Mm. which is why when she she answers she's not a girl so she has had to live with these like pedos who will kill for her and in you know like like in response they're allowed to like you know touch her face or some shit like she's she's pretty much in control of these relationships but it's this awful sort of like life she lives but then she meets this boy that's her age not her age but her age 
and they have this kind of sweet thing and then she saves him in a kind of creepy and horrific way but kind of amazing way and then it ends on a weird sort of romantic note it's oh man that's sick it's I've been so knocked cool. off my axis in a nice way, Shay. That's, <laughs> that's good. That's refreshing indeed. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm learning about horror films. I'm feeling increasingly refreshed as time passes. Sick. Rashes, you know what to do. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Rashes, what's up?